Good morning, everyone. So last week, we started the, the year off on day one with a bang. We were all ready. We were geared up to start our year off right. And then day two came. And then day three and four, and now we're at day eight. And today, instead of starting, we're going to talk about overcoming. Overcoming the past seven days of disappointment, uh, maybe failures and, and different things. So we will continue on boldly trying to experience that life that God has envisioned for us. It's kind of interesting. You think about discouragement. Discouragement is not new. Discouragement is as old as the fall of Adam and Eve. Discouragement sneaks its way into every relationship, every organization, every church, every dream. We start thinking that it's going to be all great, and then the reality settles in. And sometimes that discouragement becomes all that we can hear. Pastor Eric was talking about his study in Exodus. And could you imagine being enslaved and, you know, day after day, you know, you want to sleep in, too bad, eh, you can't, you're a slave. You have to get up, you got to make bricks and whatever they give you and all this kind of stuff. And if you don't want to do it, they beat you. And day after day, you have no hope except one day. A man arises and says, I've been to the mountaintop and I have good news. God has heard your oppression. He has heard your cries and he is going to free you. And this is what happens in Exodus chapter 6 verse 9. Moses told them all this, told them what the Lord had said. But they refused to listen anymore. They had become too discouraged by the brutality of their slavery. They had become too discouraged to hear the good news. And the reality is that some of you are there today. That we could proclaim that God himself could speak deep into your soul, into your heart. He could whisper into your ear and say, today is the day that I'm going to free you. I'm going to give you the encouragement that today is the new day that you are going to step out into a new land. A new land of hope and freedom. But you will not be able to hear because of the brutality of life. Maybe in your life, the brutality of life, you have, you have been torn apart by divorce. Maybe you've lost a job. Maybe financially you've been ruined. Maybe you have experienced sickness after sickness. Maybe you've had, been sexually abused or physically abused. Maybe it's just been plain failure. And you cannot hear the words anymore because of the brutality of life. And I want 
you to hear today to hear that God wants to speak through all of that. That God indeed has a vision for your life, that he has knit you together in your mother's womb. And that even though that you have undergone adversity and pain and the brutality of life, that there is still something for you something amazing, something beautiful and the brokenness and the pieces of your life that has fallen down that God is calling in and saying, I want to create a mosaic. I want to create something new, something unimaginable, something that only I could see in the brokenness and the, and the shatteredness of your life and put you in the gallery of my saints but we need a guide. In Psalms 119, a, written by a guy who knew adversity, knew betrayal, knew people trying to ruin him, he wrote, God, guide my steps by your word so I will not be overcome by evil. This idea that, that we come to a place like this to be encouraged, to be guided by God's word, to, to have words of life spoken into our hearts from one another in our community. Why? So like Isaiah wrote in chapter 40, that those of us who trust in the Lord, that we can find it to hear those words of encouragement one more, those words of life, those words of freedom that we will find new strength. I love that, new strength. You know why it's new strength? Because your old strength was over, is gone. That you had come to a place where your strength wasn't enough anymore and God was speaking into your life and saying, I am going to give you new strength and then this beautiful picture so that you will now soar high on the wings of eagles. They say when you shut your eyes, you see vision. And the vision of us soaring, not on our strength, but on the strength of God, soaring high on the wings of eagles, that now we will not run and grow weary and we will walk and not faint, not because of our strength, but because God's strength is perfected in our weakness. Why I love the words of Paul, as we talked about last week, is he was crying out to God about the thorn in his flesh, about something that had been tearing him apart day in and day out, and he couldn't take it anymore, and he was crying out to God to take it away. That each time he spoke into his life and said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. We all experience discouragement and failure. And I was thinking about this, and there's really two types of discouragement that we face. The first type is the precursor to success. This kind of, this, this kind of failure that that Thomas Edison said when he had 
failed for the thousandth time creating a light bulb and a, and a newspaper reporter says, Thomas, you have failed 1,000 times trying to create this light bulb. When are you going to give up? And he responded, I have not failed 1,000 times. I have only found 1,000 ways not to make a light bulb. Many of you, this is your life, that you are a living representation of how not to do life. <laughs> Congratulations, you have figured it out and are a beacon of hope for the rest of us. That is your place in the body, but now you have a thousand ways of how you know not to do it, and maybe this time, the, the next time, is going to be the way that God has envisioned you to walk this planet and you will walk in victory. I was thinking about this word success. It's a, it's a sneaky word, success. You know, a lot of us, you know, we think of success as kind of a linear line up and to the right. We start a certain place and then, you know, just things, success, 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 success. Recovered well there. <laughs> Until you are the, the, this model. And everybody's like, wow, what a success that person is. A lot of times that this is how we approach God. In fact, this is, you know, kind of how I thought about approaching God, or I did approach God when I first came to him. It's like, all right, God, you know what? I get it. I've failed a thousand times in life, and I understand that I need to turn my life over to you, and I'm turning my life over to you, and I, and I want to live out your vision that you have for my life, and I've actually written down where I think that you want me to be, so here it is. And you can, you can use this, you know, you don't have to go for, you know, word for word or anything, but this is the basic outline of how I want my life to go. And God looks at that and says, no, you know what? My thoughts are different than your thoughts. My ways are, are different than your ways. And I, I, your life isn't going to be up and to the right, that there is going to be something different. I was thinking about this word of success and looking and bringing it down to this, this letter S. I was like, yeah, that still doesn't look like success to me. So I flipped it onto its side. I'm like, that's closer to success. But that's not exactly what I think it should be. So I inverted it. I said, that looks like more of a picture of success. You see, we start at the, at the beginning of our, of our path. And we think, all right, here we go. It's going to go up and up to the right, and we have all of this enthusiasm, and we're, we're going and going, and you, you know, we're all excited. And then, you know, two or three minutes later, we, <laughs> we've, we've exhausted our power, and then we plummet. Believe me, I have experienced this in church planning and in my personal walk with Christ and in every relationship that, that I've ever been part of. And you come to this, this kind of gut wrench place 
where you're either going to give up and call it a failure or look at it as the precursor for success. It depends how you want to look at it. I was clicking around YouTube and I came across a video that I wanted to share with you that was, it really inspired me. It's kind of low res, but you'll get, the, you'll get the point. The message is strong. Dismissed from drama school with a note that read, wasting her time, she's too shy to put her best foot forward. Turned down by the Decca recording company who said, we don't like their sound and guitar music is on the way out. A failed soldier, farmer, and real estate agent. At 38 years old, he went to work for his father as a handyman. Cut from the high school basketball team, he went home, locked himself in his room, and cried. A teacher told him he was too stupid to learn anything, and he should go into a field where he might succeed by virtue of his pleasant personality. Fired from a newspaper because he lacked imagination and had no original ideas. His fiance died, he failed in business twice, he had a nervous breakdown, and he was defeated in eight elections. If you've never failed, you've never lived. For a follower of Christ, failure is not the end. It is the beginning where we grab onto firmly the idea that God's power is perfected in our weakness. I love this quote by Walt Disney. All the adversity I've had in my life, all my troubles and obstacles have strengthened me. You may not realize it when it happens, but a kick in the teeth may be the best thing in the world for you. About 11 years ago, I got a God-prescribed kick in the teeth. You see, I was a volunteer pastor on the West Coast in Los Angeles. I was working in, in the marketplace and volunteering and, and uh, just trying to, to live life and encourage uh, a group of people that God had entrusted to me. And, and uh, I went to the, to the lead pastor. Uh, he had been talking about uh, church planning and, and starting new communities and, and things like that. And he had actually invited me uh, to come with him and the, and the elders were there. And I sat down and I was thinking, wow, you know, they're going to they're gonna say, hey, Mark, you know, we really want you to be a church planner and we want to get behind you. And I remember sitting there, they sat down and they're like, hey, we we want you to become the small groups pastor of this, you know, our, our, it was a mega church. And I remember sitting there and I knew in my heart that that's not what God had, had called me to do, but I, I figured it was okay because, you know, they wanted to do church planning and I felt that God had called me to church plant. So, you know, I smiled real big and showed my teeth. I didn't realize that I was just making a big target you know, at that point, ready to get a boot in the face. 
And I said, yeah, the, the small group thing, that's, that's, that's great. But I think God has called me to plant a church. And at this moment where I thought there was going to be celebration and, and, and the angel Gabriel was going to descend and, and there was going to be a dove and God would say, this is, you know, another, you know, one of my sons who I've adopted, who I'm well pleased and, and, and the harp music and everything. Instead, at that moment, this man who had baptized me, who had dedicated my child, this, this man who I'd sat under for years, leaned across the table, put his finger in my face, said, if you plant a church anywhere in the L.A. area, I will make sure you are labeled a church splitter. Mark has no teeth. It was one of the most devastated devastating moments in my life. And I felt that all of my power and, and everything that I'd done up into that point for Christ was a complete failure. And as I wept later on that day and days and, and weeks, I heard a whisper in my ear. God said, look, my strength is perfected in your weakness. Mark, I knit you together in your mother's womb, and I have a vision for your life. And this is not the end, but this is the beginning. And I'd like to say that audibly he said, there's, you know, I want you to pick up your family and move to Tallahassee and start a church called E3 and everything. It wasn't that clear. But I did know that God was doing something and it was required. I can look back now and, and know that that kick in the teeth was God ordained as bad as it hurt. I would not give it up for the world because without that, I wouldn't be here today with you guys in my home community. You see, many times we don't see the kick of the teeth, kicking in our teeth as a, as a blessing. But those of us who are followers of Christ, that we know that all things work together for good, for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And you are called according to his purpose. And that's why we can know without a shadow of a doubt that God is called to give us new strength so we can soar high on the wings of eagles. Not so people can point to us and say, look, there goes Mark, soaring on the wings of eagles, but they say, you know what? Isn't God great? That God takes the broken, shattered pieces of a life and makes something beautiful. 
That's the first discouragement that we need to get over is just kind of our, our failures and our, and, and our missteps and the, those things in life. And the other thing is much deeper. And that is our brokenness. Our brokenness, it might be even harder to, to overcome. I mean, you think about it. We try to do the best we can. We try to be followers of Christ, fully devoted followers of Christ. We try to study the scriptures and do what they say. We try to holistically love God and to love people. But it doesn't always work out the way that we want, right? I mean, unfortunately, our self gets in the way. I find encouragement, though, from another failure, a guy who wrote most of the New Testament. You know, a guy who wrote most of the New Testament under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You know, you figure if anybody could probably follow it, he could. But he wrote in Romans chapter 7, verse 17, I really don't understand myself. You know, he's writing this probably right after he messed up. You ever say that to yourself? Like, I don't get myself. Like, what the heck? Like, I usually say that after I wake up after, you know, uh, an ice cream coma or something. You know, I'm like, I don't get myself. Why Why do I eat so much? I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Have you ever said that? I want to do what's right. I want to eat right. I want to... I want to tithe. I want to serve. I want to be nice to old people. I want to, you know, write to orphans in Zimbabwe. I don't know. You know, you want to do these things. We have these elevated thoughts, but the reality is I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Wow, what an amazing amount of honesty from a guy who's meant to be this pinnacle chosen one, personally chosen by Jesus Christ, to be a church planner, to to write his word so all of us can follow it. And here he's saying, I don't understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I mean, that's just brokenness. I mean, that, that's, you know, we have this vision and we know what is best for us. Like, none of us need to be told that, you know, uh, you know double dip chocolate slushy isn't good for us, right? But... It has eyes and it follows us. And, 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 and you know, I, I swear that like sometimes they've tackled me and like forced themselves down my throat. You know, we, we want to watch, you know, good wholesome movies, but sometimes we're just flipping the channels and, and we, you know, end up on something that, you know, we know we shouldn't be watching and we know it's not good for our hearts. We know that we should be doing this and that. We know we should be exercising and we know this. And it's, it's not a lack of knowledge, is it? 
It's a brokenness deep inside us. So what do we do about it? Well, this is the good news. I mean, this is the gospel. This is the good news is that we know we do not have it within ourselves to, to be right with God. And that is why he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pay the price for our brokenness. I love this, this, this point uh, in, in John chapter 16, where Jesus is talking to his disciples and they're finally figuring out that Jesus is who he said he is. He says, do you guys finally believe? And then he says, but there's a time and coming. Indeed, it's here now when you will be scattered, each one going your own way leaving me alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. And basically, he's, he's sitting there with, with his disciples and they're like, Jesus, Jesus is God. Dude, I totally get it. And he's like, it's chapter 16 in John. You know, where have you been? I've like healed these people. Like, remember the guy I raised from the dead? You know, and they're like, we get it, Jesus. And they're like, you know, they feel like they're at junior high, you know, Jesus camp. And like six of the disciples over here going like, we love Jesus. Yes, we do. We love Jesus. How about you? And like the other six are, you know, shouting it back and everything. And Jesus is like, hold on. Dude, you guys, I'm glad you're, you're finally to the party. Welcome. But... uh I just want to let you know that there's going to be a time, in fact, the time is now, that the light's going to switch on and you guys are going to scatter like cockroaches. But it's cool because I won't be alone. I will be with my father and the father will be with me. And then he goes on. He's like, dude, I, I tell you guys this though, not to make you feel bad about yourself, but that you will have peace about being a cockroach. <laughs> Here on earth, you're going to have many trials and many sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Basically he's saying, look, you guys are going to have troubles. You're going to have sorrows. You're going to have trials. You're going to have all of these things. Yes, at times you're going to feel like a little insect, but my power is perfected in your weakness. And it is this point at your biggest failures that it is not a failure, but it is a precursor for you to live out the life that I have envisioned for you because you will no longer be living under your own strength. You will have new strength and you will soar high on the wings of eagles. There's a personal responsibility in us going forward on this and there's a responsibility we have to each other as a community. The first responsibility of ours is to be humble. In Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 4, we're told, look, if your boss is angry with you, don't quit. This is assuming that you like messed up. I interpret scripture, it's what I do. A quiet spirit can overcome even a great mistake. 
basically this idea, and you can, you can tear it up and scale it as much as you want, you know, just like, hey, you know what? If you make a mistake, humility is your best course of action. Not excuses, not why it wasn't your fault, but just humility of just saying, you know what? I messed up. Can you please forgive me? And in James chapter 4, verse 6, loosely uh, uh, quoting Proverbs, that we're told that, you know what? God opposes the proud. That, That should scare us to death. Like, if you're proud, you know, not like proud of your kids or something like that, but proud of your, like, proud, just, you know, you know, like, like a peacock proud. I Whatever animal you think is proud. Lion, like a lion proud. Does that one work better? <laughs> whatever, just whatever, just whatever you want. Put in, shut your eyes, you see vision, that vision of proud, that's it. Take that. And this idea of, of you know what, God's not going to assist you. He's going to resist you. He's going to oppose you. I can do it. I can do it all on my own. Whap. Big hand of God opposing you. Not a good place to be. But the humility of like, you know what, when you come to that point where you finally say, you know what, God, I cannot do it on my own. That's the point where he comes in and assists you and says, I got a secret for you. Come here. My power is perfected in your weakness. You are more powerful than you think. Not because of you, but because you are my ambassador. And I have great things in store for you. That's our responsibility is this humility of spirit. A teachable spirit. And then we have a our community's responsibility to one another. There was a time uh, in, in the first century where, where the Apostle Paul, the guy who was doing all the things that he hated, and, uh, that, that somebody had wronged him. And he, the community was beating up on this guy pretty bad. And he's like, look, I'm not overstating it when I say the man who caused all his trouble hurt all of you more than he hurt me. See, he had an idea of community that was larger than himself. Most of you opposed him. And that was punishment enough. Now, however, it is time to forgive and comfort him. Listen to this next line. Otherwise, he may be overcome by discouragement. So I urge you now to reaffirm your love for him. This idea of we come with humility, not excuses, not with pride, but humility, the spirit of humility, the spirit of weakness, so we can allow God's strength to work through us. Because God is a God of restoration. God is a God of relationship. God's goal is always restoration. Everything that he's ever done is to restore you to a right relationship with him and a right relationship with others. 
And we need to reaffirm our love and commitment to one another. Also in 1 Thessalonians, Paul writes, So encourage each other and build each other up. That our, our job is to encourage one another and to build each other up. Just as you are already doing. Verse 12, Dear brothers and sisters, honor those of your leaders in their Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work. And live peacefully with each other. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. Encourage those who are timid. Take tender care of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. Encourage those who are timid. Like I said before, that I believe that the church is the only ordained organization on earth to speak into every aspect of a human's life and a person's life. That we are to encourage people to take their next step. Spiritually, of course. Intellectually, yes, because all truth is God's truth. Socially emotionally and physically. Even though that every one of us have had failures in the past, to speak words of life into the ears of one another and say, you know what? God's power is perfected in your weakness, so find new strength and soar on the wings of eagles. And I want to leave you with this. Peter writes, my purpose in writing is to encourage you and assure you that whatever you are experiencing is truly part of God's grace for you. And then these five words, stand firm in this grace. Stand firm in God's grace. Will you guys pray with me? Dear Lord, allow us to be humble. Allow us to allow your power to flow through our weakness. That we will find new strength, your strength, and soar high on the wings of eagles. Let us feel and see what you have envisioned for our life. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.